Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, former France hooker, Benjamin Kayser, and ex-Scotland back row, Johnny Beattie. How's your week been, guys? I'm good. I'm good. Um, everything's all right. Same old here. Chucking it down. Everything's closed. So we have to wait, uh, keep on homeschooling. But no, no, listen, everywhere, every, I'm focused on the, the, the essentials. I'm still alive with, uh, with, with my MBA and, um, and the girls are good. Any more positivity in France, Johnny? The, the biggest or the starkest contrast is that our kids go to school. Schools are still open so that we have, well, A, we don't have to homeschool. I would be absolutely shocking at homeschooling. So I'm glad I don't have to do that. And I feel for you guys, Benji. And it also means we get a bit of downtime. We can, we're not with them 24-7. So as much as I love my kids, I also love the fact that they still get to go to school in France, which is a big difference to the UK. So no, I feel your pain, mate. That must be um, horrid. And apart from that, no, just the only time we really get out is when it's work or now we've got, uh, we have to be back in the house by six. But apart from that, everything's shut. There's nothing really to do. We can still get out and walk around, go for a walk at the beach or the forest, but it's fairly low key. Um, I was up in Paris for Racing Toulon, which was a great game with Canal Plus, which was actually one of the best first halves of rugby I've watched, I'd say in a good year. It was phenomenal. Great advert for top 14. So no, just enjoying getting out, working, doing those little bits, keeping ticking over, bit of gym stuff, trying to keep fit um, and looking forward to the world as everyone is going back to normal. That brings me to a point where I almost have to apologize, to be honest. I, I hate the UI now. I thought it was like, you know, it, it's killing rugby. For me, killing rugby is an outside sport. You play with conditions and stuff. What I have to admit is that now that I don't have to uh, burn my knees and, and, and my skin basically on that synthetic pitch, it is a pretty outstanding arena to see some quality Unbelievable. rugby. Every single time there's a game there, there's so much pace, there's so much uh, quality. Obviously, the Vakatawa, Teddy, Toma, whatever, they're extraordinary on that pitch. But I don't know if you saw the game, Tim, but that winger, Brice Him. I think he played in Worcester two years ago or something like that. Yeah. Bloody hell, did he have a good game. He's <laughs> he good, threw eh? some crazy offloads and some crazy steps. So it is pretty exciting, to be honest, to, uh, to, to, to know that whatever the, the, the circumstances, and it seems to hold up better without a crowd, <laughs> which is maybe not a good sign for them, but it's, it's better without a crowd. Not better. It's not too bad without a crowd just because of, of the lights, of the shows that surround it and stuff. And, you know, it makes it still alive. But you're right, the quality of what's on show, like the offloads, the tackle collision area, like everything is so much crisper. Like, I agree, I'm happy to be retired and I don't have to do it. But in terms of yeah. a spectacle and something to watch, and guys, we talked about before, you know, Ice Toyava, time on the ball, playing people into space. He was insane, like an absolute yeah. joy to watch. Villiers and Brissim on the two wings, whenever a ball goes anywhere near them, they turn it over. You, you can't go near the back three of Toulon. Um, and that's it. They have so much quality, like Manonu, Eben Estebeth was terrific as well. Ball carrying, breaking the line, dominating line out, Olivon. And that's only the second game Toulon have won on the road this year. So, mate, it was great to watch. I absolutely loved it. And you're right, I think in years past as well, you know, you'd go to Oyuna and you'd be playing in like a swamp or you'd go to Colombe yeah. and you'd be playing on that dump of a pitch. Whereas 
actually the synthetics or the hybrids that have come in have made such a difference to the quality of the product that we get to watch. So no, it was a, it was a joy to watch. We always have to say that so racing did uh, lose at home. So that's big upset. Two weeks ago, was it? We got a, a crazy Fijian who lifts the ref like a trophy, like a <laughs> Lion King presenting Simba to his tribe. And and this week we have Vakatawa. My God, he had a shocker. He's in the end zone. He takes about 700 weeks to to put to put the, the ball down. And Gabin Villiers flies into him because he didn't let go of his sort of his feisty, not doggish, I don't know if you can say that, but you know that, yeah, that feisty attitude where he, he basically, you know, uh, got back to them and made him drop the ball and they lose at home. So this is the reason why this show is so good. There is so much to talk about. Some juicy stuff in France is we're pretty extraordinary. He had a hell of a game before that moment and after that moment, but it doesn't matter what, what the pitch is like, put the ball down, eh? No, this guy, this, this guy. I Honestly, I reckon this guy is probably the... He's probably the, the, the best at, at attacking rugby player I've, I've, I've seen in a long, long time, probably in world rugby at the moment. His attitude off the ball sometimes can be better. Um, I've got a few examples uh, sometimes in defense where he doesn't rush out or or in, in ruck time or, you know, he doesn't do the hard graft. But my God, is he is he lethal in attack. He's incredible and fast, powerful. He's got the technique. He's got everything. He's always doing it with a smile on his face. But um, it's, um, I, I mean... It just brings us back to the fact that Six Nations is going to start in a few weeks and we're finally going to see those guys back. You know, it's, It is mega exciting. Absolutely. And he will be there. But we didn't speak about the France squad last week. I know uh, Vincent Rattes has been called up to replace Tomo Ramos uh, this week. But um, any other surprise omissions for you guys? Not for me. And there's, got, there's guys that maybe people wouldn't have expected to have come back in, like in the second row, Garassi and Pacenti, but they did so well during autumn, they've been called back in. I think, you know, straight swap, bringing Rates back in, back three player. But realistically, the two first choice fullbacks that were going to bat- battling out were Boutier and Julien after he was fantastic in the Autumn Nations Cup as well. Um, the one that we talked about loads before, who's injured again, is Makalu, but he had one shot and didn't really fire, so hasn't been called back in. And he's injured as well, I think, with a little niggle. So, I don't know. I mean, the other interesting one, not somebody that's been omitted, somebody that's in the squad is Colombe, who came back on the tight head Benji yeah. for, for Racing. And ultimately, his inability to scrummage, he got like really, really badly shown up. Basically, because he couldn't scrummage, they lost the game. They had, I think, five or six scrums for Rassing in the opposition 22 to try and close out the game or get points on the board. And he got turned over every single time by his opposite man. So he'd be the one guy I think maybe he's gone backwards since he's been announced, which is a shame. But I don't know. Any surprises for you, Benji? Well, honestly, to pick up on that Cologne guy, he is a freak. He's a man mountain. He's, I don't know how you, I don't know how you say that in field. He's probably like six foot five or something. He's like Carl Heyman, but even bulkier. He's a Charlie Farmuina, basically, if you know what I mean, but, but from Paris. He is a big, big fella, but he's very young. He's extremely yeah, young. He's to tiny. be honest, on those, some of those refereeing decisions, I would have gone the other way a couple, a couple of times, but, uh, but it's true, he did get penalized quite a lot uh, to the point where to try to win the game last minute, Laurent Travers did his classic that 79th minute, he brings both back, props back in. Um, so that's never obviously a great sign. He's just, you know, Taite is such a, a particular position that I'm, I'm sure yeah. that the French team, the same thing they did with Mohamed Awas and with all those guys, they will give him a few shots. He's young, he's super talented, he's a crazy rare position and he's got everything to dominate the world rugby, in international rugby. So that's why they got picked. I think what's interesting, so no... To answer your question, no clear surprises. Jonathan Danty did super well in that second yeah. sort of phase of Autumn Nations Cup. Remember against England, his tackling against Italy, his tackling powerhouse. But Fiku Vakatawa, Arthur Vincent, 
are ahead of him. That's basically what it means. Romain Tamak is the only one missing, but he's obviously injured. He, he, he fractured his jaw and he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, so no, no huge omissions apart from a, a couple of uh, guys. All it means is that, remember, we praised the French team by saying pre-lockdown, so February, March sort of uh, rugby, they did incredibly well. And then whoop, fast forward six months, they stuck to exactly the same team, which we've never seen before. And they did that uh, for the friendly game against Wales and for that last Six Nations game against Ireland, and they delivered. And so they're basically sticking to their game plan, which I think is, is to their credit. They're being like, listen, we know that we've got more depth. They're not sh uh, shy of, of bringing somebody back in like uh, Donovan Taufifenua, the young revelation of top 14, who's been uh, the winger, who's been absolutely electric, who's super, super good. And everybody's saying, oh, it's great, but he's in the 37-man squad. So we don't know if he's going to play. He's just there to basically to learn like they, they like to do. And Damien Penault uh, got back into the squad over, that, that freak, the, the, the headless chicken, the, John, the French Johnny May. <laughs> and, and he'll basically, he, he will obviously be ahead because he's, he's got 25 caps at, um, under his belt and, and he's a phenomenon. So what, what I like is that not a lot of surprises, but for a reason, because they try to stick to their strategy, their picking strategy. And I think that's very, very much to their credit. But they've, they've, Underlined a fair few times in the press saying that, uh, listen, the boys have scored some serious points. Dulin, Jelonche, Pesanti Garassi definitely scored some points. In another way, Jalibert has confirmed that he can be an, an, an outstanding number one. Never forget about Serin, who only got one game against Italy. He was actually captain of the French team, wasn't he? And then he had to be uh, taken off uh, out of the squad for the England game because he already played his three games because that's the, the, what the rules were at the time. And, uh, and they're going there. So no real emissions, but just exciting times to know that there is a starting 15, there is more depth, there's more competition. And like you talk about Jolange, who's playing eight now with Cass, who's absolutely killing it at the moment. And I think he's just extraordinary. It's the first time with Aldrit in his international career will be seriously challenged. Well, he had Louis Picamol before, but still, you know, he will be seriously challenged in his position. And I think that can only boost everybody up. And uh, Francois Cross is in, but has been out injured for a bit. So could Jolange and Aldrit play together in the back row or not? I wouldn't see them considering Charlot Livon. Well, you know that better, that position better than me, Johnny. You tell me, but in terms of combo, considering Olivon is going to start, it would yep. be complicated to have Aldrit, Olivon, and Gelonche. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Also, you think you've got two specialist lineup callers. You've got Olivon and, and Cro who are going to call line out. Um, and Gelonche is kind of a guy who I'm not sure if there's a strength or a, a weakness. And then you can obviously play all three. He's not 100% confirmed as a, a nailed on number eight yet although he's 100% got the talent to do it. Like he is physically an absolute guy. The two presents with him at cast, he was ahead of everybody, which would be interesting to ask our guest who's coming up, but he was so far ahead of the field physically. Um, and just, he keeps learning and he's got grit to his game and drive. Like he's a guy for me that showed up so well. He needs to be involved. He needs to be rewarded because he's done so well in the games that he's played. But I think he might be somebody that fits in on the bench. And then when injuries happen, he might confirm himself in a starting role further down the line, if that makes sense. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, as you said, Johnny, our, uh, our guest can add a bit to this. So um, speaking of France and the Six Nations, our guest has been right at the heart of their improvement under Fabien Galtier. So we can get him on now and find out what the secret's been. France's head of performance, Thibaut Giroud, joins us. How are you, Thibaut? Uh, oh, good. Thanks for... Um... Welcome here to, uh, to the show, I mean, to the podcast. Thanks very much for coming on. And um, you've just come back from a COVID test, haven't you? So um, the nose hurting? Yeah, it's all right. Get used to it twice a week, so. And um, speaking of COVID, how difficult has that made your job specifically? Is it Has it been tricky? Yeah, it is, but I feel a lot better than the coaches in uh, in, in clubs, you know, because it's, uh, it's day in, day out. So, you know, for us, it's, uh, it's, it's easier because we... Uh, the hotel where we stay, it's only us. You know, if we if we stay in Marcusi, then it's only us there. Uh, so it's 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 a lot easier because the boys don't have to come back home for a couple of days. The only tricky thing is when the, the 14 guys going back to the club and come back on a Monday. So it, it's a bit tricky because they have to do testing, they have to do uh, all kind of things. We were pretty lucky doing the autumn test because we didn't have any cases, but I don't know if we're going to be... Lucky again for the Six Nation now. I think your Uber, your Uber driver is just delivering. <laughs> Uber Eats is delivering your food behind you. I think. That's my son. <laughs> Wait, how much of a worry is that? Because obviously you've done so well. Um, you only have to look across the water and you see Eddie Jones and, and the troubles they're going through just now, and the coaches aren't going to have access to players. But how big a worry and a stress is that for you as a coaching team? Like I said, we 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 felt very lucky. To have no cases, we like every every testing we did. We we're waiting for a uh, for a case at night when we get the result and stuff. And every week we didn't have any. And then because um, like our case is pretty is pretty that's the only team does that because we have um, every Thursday we have 14 guys coming back to uh, to the club like I said and coming back on a Monday. Every other nations they keep their uh, their players the whole week. So you know for the all for the whole player pretty much. So for us, it's it's tough because they're going back home, so they get outside um, 
you know, the bubble, then it come back in. And then uh, because we had like a um, bit of fight with, uh, with uh, the, the league, you know, before, uh, before uh, autumn test, we didn't have the hands on the, how many games we could play the boys. And uh, we, I think we had about 77 boys coming to camp, you know, back and forth. So, um, so it's always tough, you know, to, uh, to get no case, but for some reason we, we're pretty strict on, a, on, on the thing, but, uh, we didn't have any, but I don't know if it's going to be the same for the Six Nation. We, you know, we, we try to do the best protocol we can, like everybody else. But, you know, the under-20s get a uh, few cases back in, in Portugal in camp. So, uh, and then they, they, they respected the protocol also. So I don't, I don't know. It's hard because you, you, can't, you control as much as you can, but you never know what, what's happened. So, but I think if, um, if one of the team get some some cases that I think you know because now the governments get into it and stuff so um, I don't know if the competition will go on like uh, they let us play for the autumn test when Fiji got a lot of uh, cases too so I don't know what's gonna happen we just go and then we'll see we'll see what's gonna happen obviously there haven't been many cases in the in the French camp at all but have you heard the effect that it has had on players and their kind of athletic performance have you have you heard word from other coaches of, of how it's affected players to be honest, uh, all the boys uh, who, who I know had the COVID or been through it, or you know, from other clubs, and we had the, you know some boys from the French team had it in their clubs and stuff. It's not many were very very sick. Apparently, um, some of them were for a day or two. They lost uh, the smell, they lost the taste. Um, some of them got the taste and the smell back, you know, quite fast. Some some you know took like a, a longer time, but. Um, the clubs, you know, try to adapt their um, their their back to uh, performance as much as they could. Um, so we didn't have any uh, any any case where you know, like uh, one of the players were very very sick and they couldn't train for a long time. We had like a heart problem, or at the moment we didn't we didn't have any of that with the, with the you know with the French 15. So that that's the impact that unfortunately COVID can have on 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 your body. But what about the lack of training? The, a couple of months ago. I did a commentary for Poe against Worcester and I was chatting to my mate, Thomas Domingo. He was talking to me about Malik Amadash, who basically always been struggling with his weight. And they asked him to come back at 145 kgs. He made a lot of effort of running and doing some extra tests and, you know, doing some extra work and whatever. He came back 146 kgs and they told him to get fucked. You know, it's like too much. Yeah, you, you, we said 145, we said 105. He completely lost his head. Then lockdown happened. He came back out of 159 kgs. Yes. He is a freaking man mountain. And I was looking, I was laughing because Domingo was like, you'll see him coming on the pitch tonight. He is far from being fit. And he's just a big fella. Well, that's just for the anecdote. Quick question for me, Thibaut. You tell me what you think. Yeah. You, you've obviously traveled a lot and, and you've coached uh, some, you had to handle some, some French and some international players and stuff. I'm always asked, the reputation of France, of French players is to be, you know, not as strict, not as professional, not as uh, intense in their training. I think it's horseshit. I think it's, you just need to basically believe in what you're doing, the way that you're doing it and all that. And the example that I always give is you, you take 10 English, you tell them run three times around, uh, three laps around the stadium. They'll just do it and then they'll finish it. Oh, by the way, why did we do it? You take French, 10 French guys, they will moan, they will uh, get angry, they will explain why, they will question you. But if you make them believe that it's good for them, and they didn't actually do it. Not only will they do it, but they will most probably break every single record you can find. 
And I was wondering if, if you, from within, if you think that's that's pretty accurate. Yes, yes and no. What, what you know, from my experience, I've been there, I've been in the business for almost 20 years. Now, of course, you know, I was in France, went to the UK or South Africa or whatever, and then came back and then uh, took a French club, signed for another English club or, or come back. You know, there's always a time for me to adapt the way I coach, especially uh, in a long period of time. <clears throat> See, like you said, the French players, they need to know why they're doing things, where we're going to take them. The Anglo-Saxon players, they will do whatever you tell them to do. So sometimes it's a bit too much because, um, you know, there's no reflection behind it. And in the French, sometimes it's too much because there's too too much reflection be behind it. But uh, what I felt, the, the massive difference in between coaching Anglo-Saxon and French is that, you know, the, the French players in a long season, in a 10-month season, it's harder for them to look at themselves day after day, you know, like routine, uh, make sure they, they come up, you know, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes before, do their own thing, you know, pretty much looking after themselves. The Anglo-Saxon players, for me, every club I've been, you don't have to tell them as much about, you know, the, the basics, you know, uh, about the warm-ups, about, uh, um, you know, you have to be ready for, for example, 10.30 training, you have to come half an hour before and do your routine, make sure uh, you do everything right. You know, those the Anglo-Saxon players, if you take the long season in and out, day after day, week after week, they seem to be more um, more regular and then they, they'll do it um, without asking. So they look after themselves better, if I have to say. The French players, you have to be behind them a lot more. But I completely, I'm completely right with you. The French players, they ask you why. And then as soon as they believe and they understand why you're doing that with them and where you're taking them, then they will follow you 100%. Um, as the Anglo-Saxon, they, um, they're not asking much questions. But saying that, that new generation of Anglo-Saxon players, they do ask questions. You know, when I started back in the two, you know, early 2000s, the players didn't have access to internet as much. They didn't have access to other sports. didn't have access to a different way of training. They didn't know, what's, you know what happened in, in different countries and stuff. So now everybody's connected. Everybody knows what's going on. So obviously now you cannot... You know, sorry for the word, but you can't bullshit them anymore because they will know. You know, they will know if if you if you tell them shit, if you if you go in the wrong direction and stuff. As before, as maybe 15 years ago, they didn't have any clue. You know what I mean? So, as a coach, especially in the performance side, because there's so different methods that you cannot say that's the best method. It's, you just have to explain to them why you choose that method, where you're taking them, and how you're going to take take them, especially with the new technology. It's easy to see if uh, if you're doing wrong or not. For me, that's a massive difference. No matter what, if you're English, Scottish, Welsh, French, or whatever, the, the new generation of players they want you know they want to know um, where you're taking them because they have access to other things. So they will make their own mind and then and then decide if if it's if it's bullshit or not. So I want to pick up on that because obviously you're really well traveled and you've seen you've experienced different people and different attitudes. For me, the reputation that, or, and having lived and worked here with French people now is that more so in order to get French people firing, they just need to kick up the arse and they just screamed at. That's why I've experienced from fitness coaches in Montpellier, Cast and Bayonne. Latterly at Bayonne was horrendous. Um, but like to give you an insight, my first fitness test when I arrived from Scotland, when I got to Montpellier, and bearing in mind in that squad, we had five guys that were over 150 kilos, like huge blokes. The first test we did when we arrived... And I couldn't believe this. It was, I need you to do 
1500 meters, rest for two minutes, do another 1500 meters as quickly as you can. And then we'll time you all. That's your score. And yeah. I like, we did one and a half laps and I was, me and Mamuka Gorgodze were running together, like trying to keep up with each other, chasing each other because we wanted to impress. Yeah. But the guys that were over 150 kgs after two laps were walking. So like, <laughs> like it just, it fell apart. It unraveled completely yeah. at the second lap of it. It wasn't serious. Whereas if I speak to like people that you've coached at Beerits, Imanol Aranordiki, Ben Broster, guys at Glasgow, Johnny Gray, I remember randomly having a conversation. I was like, oh, this guy Tibo's come. He's our new fitness coach. He loves golf. He lives where you where you're playing in, in Bayonne. But he's taken my game to another level because what he does with his conditioning and his science is world-class. And that was from Johnny maybe, I think, four or five years ago. He then went to Toulon, picked up with Fabian and the French coach now. How hard is it for you to control? Obviously, you have this elite pool. You have 37 players that you can work with week in, week out in the French team. But obviously, things are extremely different in Bayonne, Cast, Montpellier, Toulon. Everything's different. How hard is it for you to monitor and encourage and adapt programs for guys that are all across the country? Well, it's a good question. Uh, rugby changed the, the, last, the last 15 years. And every five years, rugby moved to a different level. The way you train the way um, training is adapted to, uh, to rugby and the way the rugby adapted to training change a lot. And I have to say maybe the last five years, it changed dramatically because what you have to train physically has got to be transferable to, to how you play. So, for example, if I'm coaching with uh, Bayonne, you know, the way Yannick Brew is, is playing his game, the physical development has got to be very different than if our coach at Clermont with Frank Azema because the, the game plan is, is totally different. You have to coach and you have to implement a way of training who is transferable to the game plan of the team and to the culture of the team. And um, back in the days, France always been in, in, into long-distance running, yeah. you know, um, and then how big you are. That's always been, you know, in, in French rugby, always. You know, especially for, for, the, for, for, the, for the forward, um, you know, the front eight, the French boys, it's, it's that, the main thing for them was how big they can be. You know, that was a, the top 14 always been a, a collision game. And then uh, if you see the other league that, you know, the premiership, the pro 14, uh, you know, everything down the south, semi-fair and stuff. For many years now, it's not, how, it's not how big you are, it's how fast you can move. And then it's how, you know, how fast you can take the space. And top 14, is moving that direction, but it's it's slow, um, and then and it's always been a, a very collision game, you know, like a, a big front forward game where you know the combat is massive and, and stuff. And then I remember back in the day, you know, like first couple of clubs in France, I you know I worked with, I already was very keen on acceleration, very keen on speed endurance, on on not running long distance at all. Uh, and then you know, everybody like was criticizing it because for them. It's all about the VMA. It's all about, you know, how aerobic capacity you can have. So for that, it's just a transfer from athletics to, to rugby. And then uh, I remember back in the days writing some article for, for uh, L'Equipe or stuff and then getting a massive uh, criticism because I was talking shit. And, you know, because, uh, you know, for, for coaches, it's, you know, if you want to play at this level, have, you know, the only thing was important for them is how big you are and what, what you're VMA. And then it never changed. It hasn't evolved, eh? Yeah. So many years to change, and and then um, I was fighting for it, and and then get criticized by coaches, by media. Or, so so now since about a year and a half, we changed completely 
to a different direction. And then uh, for me, that's, that's a new role where normally you have to convince and, and then work with your club. Now you have to work with 14 clubs and then we're looking after 84 players. So you have to go to clubs, talk to them, and it's a very different situation than if you, if you compare French rugby to England rugby, Scottish rugby, Welsh, uh, Ireland, because we, we the, the, the French, the French uh, national team, does, they don't pay the, the boys, as you, as you guys know. So the clubs, they own the boys, they own the players. So we can, you know, like, for example, in England, there are a few, you know, give close to 300,000 pounds to each international players. So they have that power to decide, to make decisions in the club to say, okay, that's the way we train, that's the way we do it, period, because we pay for it. We cannot do that. So for us, we have to be political enough and, and good enough to, to not be too bully and then to make them understand that international rugby change and and then and then not saying that's the best method that we're using, but to make them understand that there's different methods to to reach what we look what we're looking at. But it's tough sometimes because there's a massive disparity between clubs. It's a shock. It's a shock for me because you know when you walk to in a club, you don't know much what's going on to other clubs. You know, but you don't know. But with that role as as performance director for the French team, I have to go to every club, talk to every SNC to every coaches. Um, so I know exactly what they're doing. And it's a bit tough to go to some clubs because, like I said, the way they do stuff, it's very, very, uh, you know, different. And then, and then sometimes they're still in that other, you know, that different times where, you know, aerobic capacity is the main thing. Um, it's, it's how big they are. And it's a very base collision, uh, collision training and stuff. Yeah, it's tough. But um, that's why when we, when we get the, the job, um, Fabia, we wanted to, you know, to uh, put in place a massive communication in terms of data in between the clubs. So that's why we we put in place a provider, you know, data provider for the all the clubs, the all the top 14, so we can actually speak the same language. And then we we have access to all the data to every clubs every day we want, uh, so we know exactly what the boys do in clubs. And then, like I said before, we cannot send program and say. That's what we want the boys to do because the club, if they choose to do it, they will. If they don't want to do it, they will tell you, fuck off. You know, they, they don't want to do it. So um, SNC coaches and coaches are a lot more open now than maybe six, seven, eight, eight years ago. To be honest, most of the clubs, not all of them, but most of the clubs playing, playing the part. You know, they're helping us. Uh, they send, you know, we can have access to the data anytime we want. Uh, when we send them... Um, we we send them um, objective about four weeks be, between uh, before every um, every tournament every six uh, before six nation before autumn test uh, like zone they have to reach during training uh, all the data they have to reach like I said ninety percent of the club are very good they try to they do that for uh, for the international because we send stuff to reach for the international and not for the club so that's a massive difference we don't want to tell them what to do for the other boys and then uh, you know the vision of the club is their vision. But, you know, for the international, we, we need them to reach what we want. And they, they, they're pretty good with it. But, uh, but like I said, the, the main problem at the moment is that there's a massive disparity of way of training and intensity and volume and, and way clubs think uh, in between the top 14. You know, so it, it's, it's hard uh, because sometimes you get boys coming, coming to us um, with a massive difference of, of what we're trying to, try to achieve. 
Mate, I've got I've got about seven hundred and fifty questions. I think it's fascinating what you what you just said, um, and it's 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 touching on so many questions that I wanted to ask you. Number one, and I loved it how you said when we got the job with Fabian, because I know Fabian pretty well, and it means that he I know he's very data driven. He wants to have precision. He wants to be able to have measurables, and, and especially in this way that you're playing. And I just wondered if you could touch on. The, the fact that you said you need to adapt the conditioning, it needs to be transferable to the field, to the way that the club wants to play or that the team wants to play, 100% agree. One of the main things that's been a differentiator for this new French team, let's just say it's the new French team since February 2020, um, is his high intensity um, training. So he's been banging on about it and stuff. I wonder if you could just take us into what it means, because I know for a fact that it's really, it's not so much you standing with a, a, little, a little clock watch telling the boys to run up and down. It's applying fast pace with measurables to the training and get, getting the boys to understand that, listen, top 14 is behind you. I've been screaming this for years and years and years. I, I always give the example of Antoine Dupont and Thomas Ramos. Do you think they're unfit? I don't think so. Do you think they're bad international players? I don't think so. But when with Toulouse, two years ago, when they were smoking everyone, Toulouse in top 14, they lost in Leinster by 40 points. The first answer of Antoine Dupont is like, oh la la, qu'est-ce que ça va vite? Is that, my God, how fast is it going? And I'm like, boys, I've been screaming this for the last 10 years. Top 14 is a war. It's super hard. Don't get me wrong. Super physical, collision sport, like you said, very, very tough. But European rugby is the step in between. And international rugby is only about pace. Pace, rhythm, uh, quality of ejection, just you know, you know, the capacity to a team to actually apply dynamism and, and speed and to take decisions very, very quick. And even Antoine Dupont, like the guy who was probably the most made for international rugby number nine in the world, even he will tell you, oh, bloody hell, I wasn't expecting this to be this fast. And I'm thinking, we're just, we're hitting our, the wall there. You know, so two questions. How frustrating is to, to, and to, and how can you sort of go in deeper into the fact that top 14 is too slow, Uh, and not really like is I don't even think it's the same sport as international rugby. I really don't. <laughs> it's it's really it's like running 100 meters. It's running 100 meter hurdle, hurdles. You know, it's for me it's a different sport. Sure. And 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 the second question is, could you go deeper into this high intensity trainings that Fabian has been banging on about? Because I really do think with Sean Edwards, with the quality of the players, with Fabian's strategic brain, it is one of the key key differentiators of this new French team. Uh, since February 2020. See, the, 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 the thing when, um, when we were asked to come and then uh, join Jack, you know, for the, uh, for the World Cup. So we took over for the, for the World Cup uh, prep. You know, Fabian came as an assistant. Um, Lolo Labit came as an assistant too. Um, Jack was, was the head coach. He was the, he was the head guy. He was the, the guy who was making decisions. Um, Laurent and, and Fabian were like assistant officially. I was the only one to actually took the job that I'm, I'm, I'm having now. So, you know, when I took the World Cup um, preparation, I was already taking over as a head of performance. So it's not like I came, assist someone, and then just to have a look and then take the job after the World Cup. I actually had to take over straight away and organize uh, the, old, the, the full World Cup prep and the full World Cup uh, for the performance and, and development and stuff. So what I did is I, uh, because... I didn't know anything about international rugby. Uh, that was my first job in international rugby. Always been to club rugby, you know, in different countries, but never been international. So what I had to, what I had to do is see what was the, st the international standard, like you said, you know, using the science to know exactly what exactly was international rugby in, in terms of science. 
what was the pace, what was the speed, what was the collision. Well, I made a lot of research, you know, I worked a lot to, to make sure I know where I'm going. And then after that, because, you know, I had some good relationship with other head of performance from different countries and stuff, I took all the standard they had and then compared it to the French standard. So I asked all the six nation game from before the World Cup, made massive analysis on it and then compared to, uh, to an international standard and compared to other teams. Because a lot of time, and I'm sure you experienced that, in France, we never compare to other to other people. We compare to ourselves. So it's it's a difference between relative and absolute. So we always compare to us. So for example, if you if I tell you, okay, you progress twenty percent, yeah, you say, okay, yeah, oh, shit, yeah, I'm good, I'm progressing, I'm I'm going I'm going well and stuff. But you still, if you're still forty percent behind the guys you're gonna play against, there's no point. You know what I mean? There's no you're still not invited. So you know, I had to. Had to uh, to to make standard that I had I could compare to other teams and to international standard. And I sit down with Jack and the whole staff and I said, okay, here what's international standard? Here what the other team are, and that's how we are now as a French team. There's two choices. It's either we go for the World Cup prep and then we just go for maintaining, and then we take everyone to the World Cup, or we go hard on them, so we change the culture. We're changing the way we train. We're changing the way we see, see things. But we're going to lose a lot of players. We're going to injure players because a lot of them, I know, will not cope with that kind of training. And to be honest, Jacques has been awesome because he backed me up um, straight away. And then, um, I, you know, as you know, during the World Cup prep, we lost a lot of boys. And then the media went onto us. And then we had pressure from the club and stuff. But we never let it go. Um, and then my idea was always to, to shock the boys, to shock the the rugby French culture for after because we knew we we're going to stay another four years so we knew the work we do now was to be able to continue after and then to shock that generation and say okay now if you want to come to France to the French team that's the standard that's how you got to be ready that's how we're going to train so Jacques was awesome because like when we I remember every day we sit down at the medical uh, uh, meetings with, uh, with all the staff and stuff during the World Cup prep and they say okay that guy is going back Back home because he's injured. That guy's going back home because he's injured. Jacques was getting under pressure. Me too. But we always said, okay, that's the that's the road we want to go. And then and then we did it. Pressure from outside was massive. But we are, uh, to be honest, we had to do it. We had to change our culture. And then to be able to um, put in place what we did for the World Cup and then for the World Cup prep, you know, it gave us two years ahead. Because if we would have come on like the next November, didn't have the chance to go to World Cup. Then that will be. I reckon that will be a different world now for us. We had two type of players. We had especially the front eight because, to be honest, the massive difference in international rugby is from from number one to number eight. It's the only guys, the only guys that matter. I would stop at one to three, but that's my, <laughs> my personal view. You know? From one to eight, it's the, it's a massive difference. So we had guys. We'd be able to be very good in combat, but we call it work rate. So the high intensity combat because they used to that for top fourteen. So they were very good fighters. They were very good into that. But they couldn't go with the high-intensity running. Or we had guys very good in high-intensity running, but could not go hard on combat. International rugby, the top level, is the boys from one to eight. They can combine high-intensity combat and high-intensity running. That's a massive difference. Is it fair to say Kamisha, Kamisha fits that description? Yeah. <laughs> But the, the thing is, we have to be more precise on that. 
you know, rugby change every year, especially international rugby change every six nation, every every tournament. Um, when we get ready for the World Cup, uh, international rugby at the time where you know you had you had five six uh, period of second team, um, you know, close to almost four four and a half minutes. Okay, then what happened there is that we had guys compared to other nations were very good on combat for one minute. Very, very shit in combat on a minute two, very good on a high intensity minute three, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So they were not, there was no homogeneity at all. They were like very disparate in every, every compartment of the game. The second thing we found out, and it's pretty simple to understand, is for us as a French, we think high intensity is when you run the ball, is when you have the ball. But how many times you have the ball during the game, especially in the front rows? How many times a game you run in the ball? The massive difference is the game without the ball, because that's 80% of your time as a forward, you know? So, you know, I'm coming to back to feet and going to the next rock and going to the next rock, et cetera, et cetera. All the chase, all the kicking game, you know, kicking game before in France was the two, the two wings and the 15 were chasing, but the front rowers, they were just resting because for them, the front rowers, when you got, you got no ball in your hand, you have to rest, to get ready for when you get the ball. But how many how many times you run the ball? Five, six, seven times? That's it. So we have to change the mentality of the boys to make them understand that the game without the ball is more important than the game running the ball. So it's not a rest time when you are when you are when, when you don't have the ball. If I take a data for example, the best team in the world from like if if they go for you know for a long sequence of four minutes. The front rows, like if I say England, for example, they run 16 to 18 kilometers per hour when they go from rock to rock. When we analyze these out front rows during the, the World Cup prep, the boys were at 12. So that's a massive difference, you know, when you play against a team, you go almost five to six K power faster than you, try to get the, the advantage, advantage line, you know what I mean? So. So we have to make sure the boys understand that they have to be fitter without the ball. When we kick the ball, chase, escort from one to number eight, they have to be fit and explosive and fast on long sequences to make sure we get the ball. Now we, our game plan was to keep the ball inside the field so we can send the full squad to get the ball back in the field and not getting the ball outside the field. But to be able to, be able to, to do that, your front eight has got to be explosive, fit, and fast and for a long period of time. So the way we had to change it is to make them understand that the, the game without the ball is the main thing and not thinking you take the ball five, six times and then that's why you have to be uh, you have to be high intensity. And also the last thing about, uh, about that, we always thought that you spend more energy when you defend than when you attack. And it's totally fault with science. We analyze that you, you spend 2.5 more energy attacking that defending. Why? Because you spend energy getting back to depth, acceleration, movement, getting back from the deck, getting back up, and then especially taking space, especially moving around, uh, you know, changing direction. So it's about 2.5 more energy in terms of meter per minute and in terms of acceleration per minute. You spend a lot more energy in that. The only energy you spend more in defense is the work rate, is the combat. But the actually movement is 2.5 less than the attack. So that's why now a lot of teams try to kick the ball, you know, and then to make sure they kick the ball to save energy and to have their 
change the rhythm when they get back the ball to uh, to attack. So the training has got to be very adaptable to uh, to that. So my training is adaptable to the standard of international and the standard of what Fabien Galtier and the staff wants. I don't care if Toto Dupont is benching 20 kg more than he used to bench three months ago, or if he's squatting 40 kg more than he used to uh, squat six months ago, because it doesn't matter. It does. It's not transferable to the field. You know, we try to develop what's counting for us at international level, or you know, for our, or for our game plan. But what you've just described with the science, I think, is be, has been the missing piece for French rugby for a decade. It was never talked about. So like ground to feet, work rate, um, getting back in line, kick chase, work off the ball. I think the perceptions that you asked about at the start, Benji, in terms of French rugby is perceived or French rugby players are perceived to be lazy. But I feel it's because physically or sorry, mentally, there hasn't been a change in mindset around everything that you've just described. And I think what we've seen from the French national team and their performances over the past six months is a clear change in mindset and how they play, a clear change in attitude. And the performance has been completely different. But just by doing the simple work rate elements that all international teams do that they haven't done for 10 years, that's where I see the biggest difference. And so my hope now is that, for instance, we, we said about how, how tough is it to influence other clubs? Like I can remember being at cast they brought in under Christophe Urios, the coach came in, was um, it was Vincent um, Giacobi, I think his name was, and he came from Saracens. And yeah. everything the boys had done had been about long distance, running, who can run 400 meters. I was trying to keep up with Anthony Gelonch in 400 meters and embarrassing myself. And then this guy came in and they started doing lactic acid stuff, ground to feet, shuttles. What was the thing I absolutely hated? Power endurance training, absolutely miserable. Um, and the boys absolutely hated it, but they'd never done it. But then physically, yeah. when they got on a pitch, they looked hungrier, they looked fresher, they could do repeat effort work. And there was a change in mindset about how they worked and how they changed things on the field. So my hope is now that change that you're making at the top and the change in performance that's tangible, people can see results changing and the level of performance changing. I hope that more top 14 sides, even the ones with smaller budgets, pro they do as well, that they follow suit and they buy more into the science. Because I think when you see the change that has happened at the top level and, and the difference in gains that you're making and yards that you're making in terms of performance, it's incredible. There's obviously a big difference as well in having the sort of team environment, but there's position specific stuff. You touched on front row. There's obviously guys doing power endurance and slogging themselves. Like, is it hard to persuade some French guys that you can lose weight, but be faster, stronger, and more explosive and more effective on a rugby field? Do you find that there's still some mentality shifts that need to happen with some players? You look at, stereotypes like I know Fabian loves a massive tight headlock he loved it like we guys that were 150 kilograms at Montpellier but their role was you don't jump in line outs you don't have to make tackles really you push your ass off and scrum you get around the pitch you make yourself a nuisance you can fight but that was it obviously things have moved the game has moved forward and it's different now now in the French side you have Paul Valemsi uh big um Finnois, Romain as well like two massive guys and how easy is it to persuade them to go against their sort of natural genetic body type, work to sort of lose some weight, but be much more effective on that pitch. Yeah, well, you know, if, if I have to convince them 10 years ago, that would be a lot more difficult because now with all of the science and then, then, then the data we have, um, and then we can sit down with them. It's, it's not only um, like a perception of individuals, it's fact, you know, we can sit down with them and say, okay, look, that's where you are. That's where we want to go. That's what you produce. You're not, you're not producing what we want. Um, I take, for example, Paul Williams doing uh, the World Cup prep. He came, he was 
heavy. Typical, very, very high in combat, strong, but he couldn't cope with the speed, couldn't cope with the repeated speed that we wanted, couldn't cope with the high intensity. Um, and then when we talked about high intensity at first, everybody jumped on us. But high intensity is not volume because they thought we'll stay on the field for three hours and make him run everywhere and then a long session. But it's not at all. Session are for like 40 minutes. Efficiency. Yeah. So that's that's the main thing to make the boys understand that it's not how long you train, it's not the volume, it's not the, the distance that will make you think that you train well. It's what you do inside inside that distance. So, you know, we, we cut about 40% the distance since the World Cup, and then we we increased all the data inside of that about 35-40%. So before, you know, when we started, to reach what we reach now inside the, the, the distance, we had to cover 40% more. So the quality inside and the boys now understand what we want and they, they understand what we're looking at. So I sit down with the coach, you know, uh, the, the Sunday before the week and I, I, I plan all the predictive data, the physiologist data inside the rugby. And then what we do every time we on on the field, we try to reach physiologically what we are, uh, what we, um, we plan. So when we finish the session, we know that we reach what we wanted. So there's no surprise at the end of the week, if you know what I mean. And the boys only train in rugby and reach what physiologically what we want inside. And then we know we reach what we want. When we started um, at the World Cup, we only reached maybe 30, 40% what we wanted. So we had to take the boys and do pure conditioning at the end uh, because we didn't reach what we wanted. Now we in a phase where we don't have to do that anymore. So we find everything we want inside the rugby. The thing is, there's two things. The boys understand now what we want, and also the, the coaches understand the performance. And then you explained that before, like to the clubs where you've been. The performance, the rugby, and the culture cannot be apart. It's got to be all together. So the performance got to be with the rugby, and the culture has got to be with all those two. We cannot have a coach who's got no interest or doesn't know what is, what's performance. And as a head of performance, I need to understand the rugby, and I need to understand what the game plan is, like I, said, like I said before, but I need to work on that and make sure I understand as like a coach what the rugby they want to play. Because, you know, I used to be with coaches or used to be to clubs where, and then I'm sure you've been there too, where the coach doesn't understand nothing about performance. So he does his rugby, rugby and then the rest, he doesn't give a fuck, you know. And then if there's a problem, well, the boys are not fit. But the good thing I like with, with Fabian and the coaching staff we have is that Everybody's got that culture of, of understanding what we want to do physiologically. And then when they adapt their rugby, when they, they adapt their exercises or the drills or whatever, they, they know exactly what we're going to reach physiologically inside their exercises or their intensity rugby. You obviously know Fabian very well, but someone you maybe didn't know that well was, is Sean Edwards. So just give us an insight into what he's like as a coach, how you found him and how's his French as well. Uh, he's full on. He's a full on. <laughs> he's a full on dude. He's like proper full on. When he wakes up to when he goes to bed, whoa, he's, like, he's, he's proper full on. Uh, he's a character. He, yeah, he is a character. He's a good dude. Um, he's very direct. He doesn't talk much. He goes to the point. I think that's what the boys like. And he's very intense. You know, he's, he, we all have different characters. We we all have egos. We all have. You know, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different experiences and stuff, but we all accept, you know, our different characters and our, our different way 
uh, we coach and uh, and thing. But the good thing is we all buy into what we want. So, for example, Sean didn't know much about you know uh, prediction data, whatever stuff like that. But he, he got into it, and then and then now when he does his stuff, he he um he understand what we try to put inside his defense drill and in terms of physiologically um uh, data and stuff. So now, yeah, he's he's good guy. He uh, how can I say? He, He's a different character. He's, he's funny. He uh, sometimes he he does stuff that you don't expect. You know, he's he's just you just looking at him like wow. But he um yeah, he's a he's a hard case. You know, like coming from rugby league, and I've been coaching four years in rugby league, so I, I met a couple of boys like that too. And he's he's making a massive effort in French too to have work in different country. It's different to uh, to just talk, talk the language and working. You know, in that language, it, it's it's a massive difference. Have you been helping him with that, Thibaut, with your your perfect English? Have you been helping him with his French? Yeah, but you know, to be honest, he's got that weird accent. Sometimes I don't even understand what he's saying. What he's saying, <laughs> but, but I ask, him, ask him to repeat and stuff. But uh, no, no, he's he's, he's he's yeah, he's different character. But you know, maybe I am too in a different way. We all are different. But he's doing a great job with the boys because, like I said, you know, the first thing he said, the defense is by intensity. That's the first bathing suit, you know, after talking about data or whatever. The main thing is intensity. And he's intense when he wakes up and then he's intense, you know, all day. You know, when he when he get up to do the video, so his video does like his video analysis doesn't go for long. But maybe stay five minutes and five minutes you're ready to go play. You know, even if it's a Monday and then you play Saturday. You know, that's how he's intense. He, he wants to get intensity on everything he does. And then just specifically on the on the players, Tebow, I mean, we often hear about how, you know, Bowden Barrett's broken the record for the best ever time on the Bronco or whatever. How do these France players compare to others you've you've worked with? I mean, we've talked about Antoine Dupont, how freakish is he as an athlete? Camel Chaz neck, is it the biggest you've ever seen in your life? How do they compare? Yeah, of course you have um you have we have we have awesome athletes like Antoine Dupont, for example, um there's not much to develop to him anymore. Um, he's a very mature athlete. Uh, he's very young. You know, Kamisha is exactly the same. But while we try to um, work with them now, so we took we took a, an amount of time. We call it 100 milliseconds. So it's 100 millisecond time. How much power? How much you know explosiveness? And how much repeated power you can you can produce? So you know, for example, when I was at Glasgow, one of the best power to get into space or to accelerate. <clears throat> In 100 millisecond uh, was um, was the um, you know um, the number 15 for Glasgow. He was you know was at Exeter now. It's true, Hog. Yeah, Hoggy was one of the best I had. Toto is pretty much out there. Uh, you know, Kami too, Virimi, Vakatawa too. So no point for Toto to be five second or ten second less at the Bronco. No point for Toto again to be 20 kg on his bench or on his. So he, he's pretty much got it all. But what we found out is we try to be as as clinical as possible with those guys. We have, we have about six or seven guys like that where we try to develop that capacity of contraction in a very short of amount of time. So that's 100 millisecond time, how much power, how much acceleration you can get into space. And then we found out that Toto is capable to uh, produce about 60, 65%. And then from now to the World Cup, we try to get that to about 70, 75 in a very short amount of time. And then Virimi, Vakatawa, same. Kamisha, same. Kamisha squat close to three times his body weight. What's the point to still work on that? You know what I mean? He's a freak. So 
So we tr- we had to think about what we can do one more time to be able to to develop to those guys who is who we can transfer that to the game. But um, yeah, of course, when I was at Glasgow, the Broncos test for the forwards. I don't think I've seen you know many boys as fit as those guys. You know, but they they were not as big. But at the moment, you know. Like if I take Paul Williamson or if I take um, if I take uh, Roman Tao, I'm not working hard on them to make them you know lose 20 seconds on the Bronco. It doesn't mean nothing, you know what I mean? Uh, because it's not really transferable to the to the field. So we look in other direction for them to make sure we can we can adapt to uh, to what we play. Um, the main thing for for them, and then I come back what Johnny said, um, it's that that relative power, you know, relative power is the main thing for them. So relative power is the absolute power divided by body weight. So that's why when we're asking them to lose weight, we're not just asking them to lose weight because they, they will you know look good at the beach for the next summer. Helps. We ask them to lose weight to be optimal, optimum um, in, their, in, their power, in, their, in their relative power. That's the main thing. So by fact and by science and by proving them on during training, because that's the main thing, like you said uh, before, the players, they want to see results on the field. So if you prove them, if you show them that at 145 kg, they're not reaching what we want and then what they what they want for their game, then they will buy to it. They will say, okay, then, you know, Paul Williams say was too heavy. But he said, yeah, but I feel strong. Uh, I feel strong in a scrum. I say, yes, okay, you feel strong in a scrum. But if you lose 15 kg, you will feel as strong but you will feel as strong for a long period of time. And then you will be combining, you know, combat and high-intensity running at the same time. And then where, you know, your game without the ball will be more effective. And then your acceleration ball in hands will be effective. All your game will be effective. But it's it's hard to explain that to a player if he doesn't understand, if he doesn't see it. So with the data and when, when we train, we always give them feedback during the session, what they do. And after that, Every time they get the session, we and then we send the session to all the boys so everybody can see what everybody else does. So when they do shit, everybody else see they do shit. When they do well, everybody everybody else do well. And then we, we don't hesitate to point the finger and say, well, you're doing shit. You're doing shit not because you don't want to do it. It's because physically you cannot do it. So to be able to do it, that's that's where you need to change. It's not because you're going to make 20 seconds less in the Bronco that you're going you're gonna to make that. You know what I mean? It's It's like a painter. Then we have, I don't know, 40 colors. And then we using colors at the right time, at the right moment for each individual, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And just finally to finish off, Timo, because it shows what a job you've done with the culture in France, because we've barely spoken about you yourself at all. We've just spoken about the team and everything. But, um, you have, uh, you've moved around a lot, as Johnny mentioned. I mean, you've fantastic background for anyone who wants to read about. You've played American football. You've run the 100 metres in 10 and a half seconds. You've done bobsleigh you've done everything. Is this your dream job? Like, is this where you want to be long term? Uh, to, to be honest, uh, no. Because um, it, it came, when I was in Toulon, um, the ex-president made a big story about it and didn't like me because I left and blah, blah, blah. But Nobody likes him. I wouldn't worry about him. <laughs> we like you. So, you know, nothing was planned. I, I, you know, I, I signed another four years deal with Toulon and stuff and I never had the goal or never had the plan to go with the French team. You know, because for long, for long times, when I was at club and stuff, I suffered a bit, you know, when we had international, when I was back in Biarritz and stuff. We didn't have much communication with them. We, we, we didn't know much about what they were doing or we didn't have any uh, 
get guideline uh, what to do with international and stuff. That was very, uh, you know, we didn't know much what was going on. So, you know, for me going to the French team and doing the same, I, I wasn't keen. So my plan wasn't wasn't to go to the French team when, but when Fabian, you know, talked to me about the project and stuff. At first, I didn't want to go because that was only for the World Cup and coming back to Toulon. But the main thing was when they, when Bernard Laporte, you know, talked to me and then talked to me about the project of the Japan, the, the Japan World Cup, and then keep going until the French, uh, the French World Cup. That was, my my worry wasn't wasn't at all about the the, the contract or that was just can we change things. If we, if we can change things, then yes, I'm interested. If we cannot change things, then I'm happy to stay in club rugby and I'll stay in club rugby for another 10 years or whatever. There's no problem. So for me, that was not the dream goal. That was not, it's not the dream job. At the moment, I'm, I'm enjoying it because we can try stuff and we can, we can change things. Like I said to you before, when we get the job, we try to stick with, you know, to the, to the international, international standard. We try to, try to cope with that. Now, since the autumn test, we try to innovate. We try to have our own thing and try to innovate what we do and try to, you know, for once, for once, I want the Anglo-Saxon um, rugby saying, okay, the French rugby do- does something different. Because I always suffer when I was in English club or, uh, or other overseas clubs, uh, when we talk about conditioning or performance or physical performance, ah, but the, the French are shit. They don't, they're not fit. They don't care about the, you know, they, and then they were taking a piece at us. And for me to travel as a French conditioner, you know, I, I always had that, that vision of others uh, that saying, oh yeah, but do I have credibility because I'm French? Because every Anglo-Saxon players or every clubs, every national team thought, okay, we play with high intensity and we know the French going to explode it the last 20 or the last 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So at the moment, we I just, we just want to, get the respect back from from the anglo-saxon rugby and then we just want them to okay now we we can count on them we we know they they'll be they'll be there that, that that's it you know what i mean but that's not my 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 uh my dream goal now my dream goal will be maybe to work in the nfl one day or you know something like that but yeah it's just uh we talk sometimes with the coaches and stuff we just want to get the respect from uh, from the from the other nations. You've got the respect for sure, and now you're even inspiring fear. I reckon so. It's it's even better. You've done a hell of a job, Thibaut. And um, Sean Edwards and Fabian Galtier might be getting the credit, but um, over the past hour or so, we've heard that clearly you're the secret behind the success. So um, keep it up, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the Six Nations. Thank you very much. Cheers, Thibaut. See you in a Cheers, golf Thibault. course Thanks soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the show. Bye bye. Well, amazing to have Thibaut on and doing a hell of a job. But I mean, we, we only just touched the surface, but his background. Well, yeah, I, I, and again, I don't think many people know, but he he was drafted by the New York Jets. Like he was on the roster in the NFL um, because he was a freakish talent himself. He won a bronze medal at the Winter Olympics um, in bobsleigh and he ran a 10-5. But like, you guys are an absolute machine. Um, but almost more, imp- I mean, wonderful as an athlete himself, but more importantly now, the job that he's doing with the French team, you know, I touched previously on Johnny Gray, how highly he thinks of him. Um, I mean, just you think now the French team have got Fabian Galtier, the best, best attack coach I ever worked with. They've got Sean Edwards, you know, widely accepted, the best D coach in the world. And, and Thibaut, who well-educated, has done his absolute bit. He's gone around Glasgow Warriors, Beeritz. He's been at multiple clubs. He's learned. And he just underpins everything. They're serious. So... 
like Fabian used to, we trained at high intensity all the time. It was training under fatigue, uh, learning how to make decisions under stress. That's all been part of it. But the fact now it's backed up by science and data and a man that understands sport at a high level as well. Um, it's just exciting. Like he's done an amazing job and, and they're lucky to have him. And that's the thing he said, he wants to get into NFL, but I hope he stays in French rugby, either as the head of performance for the French national team or in a French club somewhere, you know, creating absolute mayhem and, and, and producing animals. So no, um, an amazing bloke. Absolutely. A lovely guy as well. And maybe we'll get him back on again one day and talk about him rather, rather than the French team. Yeah, we should do. It's a hell of a story. Um, let's briefly touch on the top 14 before we go. Um, we talked about Racing Toulon earlier on and Vakatawa. Um, what happened between Christophe Urios and Didier Bess in uh, Clermont's draw against Bordeaux? Bit of a, not a scrap, but a bit of an altercation. <laughs> Well, I think it ended up in the tunnel. Um, mm. But Christoph's got a, like he obviously goes viral two or three times a year with clips that come off YouTube. He went viral, I think two seasons ago when Fabian Galtier was still at Toulon and he gave him a slap around the chops. Um, but I think there's a bit of Christoph that enjoys, you know, he's a big character. He's a big bloke. He's imposing and he knows the camera's on him. And so he gets away with a lot. And he was telling Fra Frank Azema on the touchline to ferme ta gueule, which means shut your muzzle in French. Um, and I think Didier Best took exception to it. He was trying to put pressure on the referee as well at scrum time. And I think a lot of people get fed up with the big fella being that sort of bullish figure on the touchline all the time. And, and Didier clearly um, took exception. So they ended up in the tunnel, had a bit of a, a set too, I think, but it, um, it, didn't, it didn't come to anything great. But I think a lot of people will be quite happy that Didier Best had a quiet word with Christophe and told him to stop yapping because he can be quite vocal. And We've spoken about them quite a bit, but we've got to talk about your old club again, Johnny Montpellier. Lost seven in a row now after losing to Cast. But all the talk is obviously about who's going to come in as, as their new head coach. Some wild rumours of Warren Gatland, Frank Azema, but the most yeah. likely one, surely, out of all of the names mentioned is Michael Checker, no? Yeah, I, would, oh, I, I can't see Gatland. Um, it's not sold enough for Gatland, I don't think, to to up sticks and, and, and come to Montpellier, uh, Frank Azema as well, to, to leave Clermont after all he's done and go to Montpellier. I mean, maybe if things fell apart at Clermont, but the, the one that does stick out is Michael Checa, who did actually a fantastic job with Stade Francais before. He knows French rugby culture, knows French players, and obviously is available. You know, he's doing a bit with Ledesma down with Argentina, but I think he's the one guy that could be the best fit, but they, I mean, they have to change something. I mean, they've already announced that Picamol is not going to be renewed. They've just got so much talent and they just don't function. As, they just need a coach, a decent coach to come in and get them playing proper rugby because with the, the funding they have, with the quality and the pool of players that they have, they, they shouldn't be second bottom in the top 14, no chance. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Benji. And thanks to all of you guys for listening as well. A massive thanks to Thibaut Giroud for joining us today. Legend. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a review, get in touch, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Cheers guys. Fellas. See you soon. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.